the Garden Hose Australia podcast, where we talk all things gardening. Your hosts, Jamie and Erin, will wander down the garden path with tea or gin in hand and discuss gardening loves, hates, new discoveries, interview some of our garden heroes, visit inspiring gardens and continue a discussion about plants that started over 30 years ago in primary school. So here we are, first episode Garden Hose. But I feel like we've been podcasting all our lives, Erin. <laughs> I know. As we like to say, this is a conversation that started, should I say, how many years ago? 30-odd years ago in primary school because that makes us sound uh, Oh, that makes us sound, bit, yeah, that we were very young. We were very young when we started talking very about young. plants. <laughs> and it's been an ongoing conversation ever since. It has been. It has been a conversation that has taken place over well interstate yes on many camping trips yes over many a wine yes and my first ever martini ah yes you remember that sadly took a long time to get to (laughs) but uh we we have flirted with some botanical cocktails yes there might be a future episode in that Oh, look, so much. And I, I'm I'm actually glad that we haven't recorded all of our conversations um, and that now that I'm a little bit older and wiser and actually <laughs> can filter a couple of things, um, now's a much more appropriate time for me to podcast with you. Yeah, and also because, you know, we can edit. Oh, yes. <laughs> we may need to do some. Well, you can. You have the technology and know-how. <laughs> Judicious editing. But look, we obviously know each other's backstories, but we thought this first episode would be a good opportunity for us to introduce ourselves so you get a little bit of a feel for who we are and our backgrounds and uh, what you can expect over the course of this season. How long's the season? Well, I said that very authoritatively. I don't really know yet. <laughs> really, I really enjoyed that. Is it like a growing season? It could be. Okay. It could be. Right. Erin. <laughs> How did you get into gardening? I get into gardening. Well, I think I came from a bit of a gardening pedigree. My grandparents were super keen gardeners. My parents were keen gardeners. Grew up with um, all homegrown veggies, which wasn't really unusual, I think, when I was growing up. I think it was fairly normal. But my mum was a keen flower gardener, a rose gardener. So she gave me my own garden plot, fairly difficult plot and dry shade, where I think it was the garden plot she didn't want. But uh, is this she, is this one up the side of the house? Yeah, no, it was before that. Before that, before I mean, there was an earlier one underneath. Before we knew each other, it was before we knew each other. And then when we moved to um, up the road from you, uh, when I was but a wee child, um, yes, I had another. I had a shady spot the side of the house, but then had another little sunny spot. And I think over my teenage years, we gardened, uh, learnt to take cuttings, which I thought was marvellous. Um, Grew lots of cottage flowers because that's what my mum loved and I suppose that's what I knew. Uh, Got interested in herb gardens and have a little book collection on growing herb. Uh, And then when I moved out on my own 
we I was in share houses and had pots growing in the backyard. And then when I moved in with my now husband, he is also a keen gardener. He likes, he's always like growing a lot of vegetables, fruit trees. So in our suburban garden in Melbourne, I think we had, I think we, at the end, I think we had about 48 fruit trees growing there because he was keen on a spellier in them. Grew lots of veggies and herbs. And, uh, oh, and you had spectacular blood oranges. Oh, I do miss those because now where I'm living, I can't really grow because I don't with the cold. Um, well, in that wall, we can get them to survive, but can't really get them to fruit like that. But we did. We had some, um, I think we had seven blood oranges and five limes and uh, three lemons and a few mandarins. And yeah, those blood oranges were pretty spectacular. They were good. I think they like the, I was hoping they'd grow here because they do like the cold nights, but they like the hot days. But I think our nights here <laughs> freeze them. Whereabouts are you, Erin? I am in the Macedon Ranges in Victoria. Uh, and yeah, we have a very long, long frosty season. So it only certainly snowed sort of once or twice a year since I've been here. Um, but we've moved onto a little rocky five acre hilltop just out of town in Kyneton. And so here we moved out here. We wanted some more space, we want the kids to be able to run around. So, of course, the first thing. My husband put in was an orchard here and we're growing vegetables and I have a growing flower patch and I started growing flowers to sell to florists and uh, building a farm gate and so that would be my you know my long-term plan is to do that full-time leave their day job and uh, work on work on the little farm. So oh, that's I where boss I'm... Listening. What if your boss hears this podcast? <laughs> I think they know all about that. Oh, <laughs> Now, so I've seen some of your flower work on Insta with you. I saw your pre-Christmas posies. They were pretty spectacular. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, we just had a bit of a setback this year with all the, um, you know, the crazy rain that we all had and sort of washed out all of the first lot of stuff that we've sown. But, you know, it's a, we sort of moved out here and went, oh, we, oh we're gardeners. We know a lot about that. But <laughs> growing uh, cut flowers for uh, to sell is a whole different proposition to growing flowers for your garden in the backyard. So, you know, we... Um, it's all a bit of a learning journey. and uh, But luckily I've got a friend who is actually a bit of an expert in propagation. So who would that be? You've got a friend who is living vicariously through you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so anyway, well, we, uh, we will have it soon a, uh, an episode on propagation because <laughs> I need to propagate the bejesus out of everything I've got at the moment <laughs> to build up our perennial collection. Um, so that's sort of where we're at at the moment. I think uh, we've got, I've got two kids who are quite interested in the garden now, which is lovely. So I've got my daughter who's very, very keen on the herb garden and making herbal teas and different things. And the son who's pretty interested in propagation and botany. So it lives on. I've forced it on them, I think. <laughs> oh, you've done well. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, they, they could be out the streets doing something else. <laughs> good, except you live in the country. It's a bit... <laughs> Like you go out in the street, there's not much to do. That's <laughs> no, true. That's what I said. They're making cubbies or pushing plants. So, <laughs> yeah. Good, wholesome upbringing. Just watch out for the snakes. Uh, yeah, well, that's the thing. I do have snakes here. Uh, yeah, this season we've seen uh, copperheads and browns, but in the past there have been tigers. So 
that is the downside. But I've been out there with the whippersnipper getting every long bit of grass. <laughs> and I've, you have to lead, you know, power tool first, I think. <laughs> I love that, Erin, um, one day we might have international listeners and they might think that you have actual tigers. You've just said we have tigers. I said have tigers. Oh, well, how exotic does that sound? <laughs> it sounds deadly in a different way. <laughs> It does sound exotic. <laughs> yeah, no real tigers. The uh, the only other four-footed tiger, animals. Tiger snakes. <laughs> tiger snakes. Uh, the other four-footed animals we have, we have a couple of mini pigs and we have alpacas here. And so the uh, mini pigs, I say that, and everyone's like, oh, how cute, which is kind of the reason why we got them because we thought, oh, how cute. Kind well, of. golden retriever-sized mini pigs. Yeah. yeah That's small so- for a pig. That is small for a pig. That's what I tell people when they're like, they're not minis. I'm like, well, they are for a pig. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're actually a bit of work. And uh, they've have, we've now had to electrify the fence around their paddock because they have managed to break out of the fence on rubbish bin day and go and inspect the neighbour's rubbish bins. So now we've... Uh, so awkward, especially if they knock over the neighbour's bins and you've got to pick that up. Yeah, and so there's only so many times that you can, uh, you know get away with the novelty factor of oh, sorry that was my pig sorry <laughs> my pig <laughs> uh, then it's just annoying <laughs> so um anyway they're uh look they they eat everything they dispose of all the weeds so you know they're uh, very handy in that respect mm. they look after a you know bottom paddock because otherwise not doing anything so can you, you know, imagine the soil like say if you decide to move them one day the soil in the area is going to be well I think it will be um so we're thinking of actually expanding the area they can go into so the alpacas have the neighboring paddock but we're thinking of re-fencing because fencing such a fun job removing the middle fence and actually allowing them up into that area because that could be a future spot to grow in so we think that might be a quite a helpful thing to do so the alpacas are easy they're just big furry lawnmowers so Look, I think one of the things we're going to learn about me as the series goes on, and because everyone, of course, will listen to multiple episodes of this, um, (laughs) I'm always going to bring the conversation back to poo, um, manure and otherwise. Alpacas, right? One of the things I love about them, poo in piles. Oh, they do. It's very handy. And the other thing about them is that their poo is, I think, what's known as a cold poo instead of a hot poo. So you don't have to compost it down before you use it. I didn't know this. Oh, yes. So it's actually quite a good soil conditioner. So you can just scoop it up straight from the pile um, and put it through your vegetable bed or anything like that. And um, it actually helps with the soil texture. So we use it copiously in our vegetable beds um, and it's very helpful there. Whereas the pig poo is like, you know, a lot of animal poos that you just need to stick on the compost, you know, for a good few months. Your pig poo could burn everything it ever looks at. Yeah, probably. (laughs) And your nostrils. And your nostrils. Is it quite pungent? Yeah, they are. Although I think that they're not too bad down where we've got them because they've got such a big space. Um, it is sort of spread out and they do tend to like to confine their toilets to, you know, the same couple of areas. They're pretty neat and tidy in that respect. Uh, so I sometimes get there and rake it all into little piles, but they're not, yeah, they're pretty, pretty good um, in that respect. Although, you know, we're actually taking a little uh, divergence away from the garden now so I should get back to the garden oh sorry that was me talking poo 
so I suppose the garden we're gradually getting all our you know our more enjoyable ornamental garden for ourselves done around the house and so I'd say it's probably um, Mediterranean-ish uh, style I guess being just looking at the sorts of things that survive here best so it was a bit of a paddock full of olives when we moved in um, we've retained some of the olives and we found that they do well and we have got a lot of um, uh, you know gray green things and things that cope with the wind because we get a lot of wind so at some point we're going to have an episode on people talking about wind plants that do well in wind <laughs> been there when it's windy it was like three days of wind yeah and the plants here do when they cop the double whammy of wind and frost uh that's when it gets a gets a bit tricky so yeah anyway that's my current garden it's your current garden and so oh, what are your favorite gardening jobs uh i do love a bit of propagation mm. a bit of seed sowing in the greenhouse yeah. I, I last year discovered soil blocking oh i've not I've not blocked before. Oh, we've got to get together and do some blocking. Mm. I was after reading, um, you know, Lisa Mason Ziegler. She's an American uh, gardener who uh, wrote a book called Cool Flowers. So it's all about the cool flowers that you can plant in um, so late summer, in autumn, I think over I heard, winter. I think I heard her for, of her and heard her for the first time on the No Tills. Oh, no I was listening to that too. Yeah, yeah she on that. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah. I've um, not heard of her before, but. Yeah, she's a big advocate of soil blocking. So uh, I thought I'll give that a go. And uh, it's a bit addictive. So I do enjoy a bit of that. I find it very satisfying when I see all my trays of, you know, little seed blocks all all lined up in the greenhouse now that we have a greenhouse. So that's quite good. I just need to get my watering right for those, I think. But, yeah, I think that would probably be, be my favourite job. Seed blocking, mm. soil blocking, not seed blocking. Soil blocking. Mm. Yeah, I'm just thinking. Yeah, I reckon I could get into that. Um, uh, oh, and then so that's your favourite job. What's your least favourite job? Yeah, it's weeding. Yeah. Oh my god, so much weeding. You gave me a very big hand with the weeding here over Christmas, but um, man, the weeds, the weeds, so much weeds. They, they were intense weeds. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I told you, but I felt like I'd done a hammy. <laughs> You know, I, I lived for the next few days. <laughs> oh, look, we've been trying to do everything with, you know, no poisons, nothing like that. So it's like hand weeding, pulling everything out. Um, yeah, gee, <laughs> test your commitment. <laughs> unless, you, unless you're covering that soil um, yeah. with mulch or something, all you've done is make a nice seed bed. Well, that's what we're doing. Every night weed, like I don't go out there and weed unless I know I've got a huge amount of mulch that's going to go on it. And I've um, been trying to do more of sort of no dig gardening style. So we've um, we've been laying down carpet um, when we had some leftover bits, and now it's cardboard, which I bought by the roll mulch uh, all over that, and even new beds. You know, lots of cardboard down first. And then the soil and mulch on top. So um, we've got I've got a pretty good supply of you know cheap mulch from a local arborist here, so I can get it by the truckload. So that's been really helpful. But um, man, I go through a lot of that. <laughs> I, was, um, I think it was another episode of No Till Flowers that um, you put me onto that podcast, uh, and 
Uh, Sounds like you've been going through a lot of that podcast since we... Oh, look, sometimes I have time on my hands um, (laughs) while I'm gardening. Uh, And she was talking about uh, uh, being a a flower farmer and that that's how she used to do it. She doesn't anymore. But one of the issues she had was uh, what's called nitrogen drawdown where... Ah, Yes, mulch and cardboard so all the high carbon content things but particularly fresh mulch Mm. um it needs the microbes need nitrogen to um digest the cellulose uh in the um mulched up branches and if they don't have a source of it they'll pull it out of your soil so you can you're doing all the right things you're mulching and stuff but you essentially end up starving Mm -hmm. your soil of nitrogen and I was listening to this going, oh, my God, I've just I've just put down a heap of carbon content trying to control the weeds on this set of steps that I've got um, that are just sort of uh, timber sleepers and dirt and grass, and the grass is meant to be there, but it keeps getting away from me. So I've, oh, I've put down, I put down um, cardboard and then for some reason I decided to put down sawdust and then mulch on top of it, and then mm-hmm. I heard the podcast, I'm like, oh, <gasps> oh, my God, I've got, I'm going to have all this nitrogen drawdown on either side of my garden beds because the steps run through the middle. So yesterday I was out in the rain feeding my steps chicken pellets. <laughs> my, oh, my God, I hope no one sees me feeding the steps. Feeding the steps. <laughs> feeding the steps. Here's some nitrogen. <laughs> well, actually, that reminds me, I should go out this week and actually put down a whole lot of, like, dynamic lifter or something all over my all over my expanse of wood chips. Yes, you should. And that'll, that'll sort out your nitrogen drawdown. That'll give you a little microorganism something to feed on. So do you think that would even be the case where I've got my rows of yes, yes. flower beds and so they're only, say, like a metre wide and then in between I've got like a half metre path of mulch just to walk in between them. If that's fresh mulch, that'll be drawing away from the neighbouring beds as well. Yes. Right. Okay. So I need to feed my paths. Yes. <laughs> so, right. um, oh, so one of the other things that, that they were talking about on no-till is uh, so getting compost in if you're someone who has to buy compost. And I was thinking about this for you in terms of mulch. So she was saying she gets her compost in maybe um, six to 12 months before she needs it so it's fully composted. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I was thinking about this for you. If you've got enough space for your mulch, having mm. enough mulch, yeah, babes, keep keep bringing me my mulch and either having it sitting there composting for six to 12 months or feeding it. Mm. And it's cheaper just to, uh, it's cheaper to compost it for six to 12 months, isn't it? (laughs) It depends, doesn't it? Like it's, if you've got, you've got five acres. That's right. So I could put a couple of piles on there and let it sit there. I do have some actually very well composted stuff up the top of the orchard. So I'm going to put them on my Christmas trees um, because oh, okay. that's been up there for a year and a half. Yeah. So I'm thinking that'll be good. That'll and then be good to go. Then what you're doing is this beautiful thing of like you're, you're inoculating your soil with all these microorganisms and mycelium and things that have come from your well-composted mulch that may not be in the area where you're growing. And um, Ooh, so that's, that's another reason point. why. It's not just sort of keeping down your weeds. It's you're inoculating your soil with all these beautiful microorganisms. Oh, aren't I clever? You are. Yeah, it's like I've gone out to the forest and got a jar of microbes. <laughs> yes, except you had them delivered by a man with a truck. Yes, which, you know, I am totally here for. 
doesn't sound as romantic though. No, but <laughs> that sounds pretty bloody romantic to me when I'm standing out there with a shovel. Oh, yeah, with a truck and he bought me some mulch. No, I'm no, I know I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yep. <laughs> Very much like that. So Aaron, oh, right. in, in the ongoing battle of the weed. What are your favourite tools? What are you out there in the garden in? What are you I'm wearing my overalls. I love mm. my overalls. Um, and uh, if anyone wants to sponsor us, I'm a big fan of Green Hip. Is that Green Hip, you say, Erin? I say. Green Hip. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do love those. Uh, so they're on constant rotation. And I do love my Hori knife. Um, you know, that sort of lethal looking, um, I don't know why I'm gesticulating here because this is not a visual <laughs> medium, uh, a knife that's sort of serrated on either side so I can, you know, dig little holes out and I can cut things and wedge things in. But I do have a um, also like a handheld sort of like pickaxe kind of thing that really is I, even a shovel here because it's clay and rock, a shovel I find that I can't even get through the ground very well. So using that little pickaxe to get around. I've got a couple of them now. Uh, that's what I use for all my weeding, um, even for digging holes to put plants in. That's what I like. Um, also, I should do a shout-out to our tractor because uh, Tom's on it more than me, but, oh, man, it's a little compact, messy Ferguson, and we just could not do everything we do without that baby. It, <laughs> it's got it's got a bucket, it's got an auger, it's got a mower, <laughs> it's got so many things. We use that for everything. So, yeah, the tractor. I, I had a friend ask me a couple of weeks ago, um, she's got some acreage and um, she was like, do you think I could start a flower farm here? And I'm like, do you have a tractor? I'm like, do you want to be doing all that? by hand and I know where she lives and I know her conditions and I'm like unless you've got a tractor just don't even do it to yourself yeah I think just that's something to be really um mindful of is that like you know you you can do stuff without it but you know you've got to be thinking about how much time you've actually got available to do it and then you're going to be spending a lot of your time doing manual stuff or you're gonna to have to pay someone else to do all that manual stuff so yeah, and even the longevity of your body yeah, I mean, that's right, because uh, I think as we covered off in the first part of this podcast, we are not in the first flush of use. So uh, I think that... God, I find I, that a difficult statement. <laughs> I, uh, well, you know, there's a lot of stuff that um, I, I like to think that I can sit there with a bit of stamina and I can get through a full eight hours of weeding and back it up again the next day. But, oh, you know, <laughs> I also have a lot of a whole lot of things in life I need to do as well. <laughs> Oh, like work full time and yeah. run household and yeah, race two run kids around and that sort of thing. So um, tractors, mm. tractors, tractors are where it's at. Mm. Um, and also, I think getting a tractor may have been the reason that Tom decided to move to the country. Uh, so That's that fair enough. Could, yeah, yeah. Look, it's it's a pretty cool thing to have. Say, I own a tractor. He's pretty keen on the tractor. <laughs> I, I used to own a tractor, and um, mine was the biggest. You did did you? Yours was bigger yeah. than ours. Oh, it was big, babe. Mm. Big. And, um, yeah, being able to talk tractors and tell many pe people how many horsepower you've got, <laughs> oh, I loved it. Although what we now have, we have a tractor which has got the mower deck but we've got a separate little ride-on mower that has an awesome little trailer that hooks on and off to the back to zip around. So now because it used with the tractor you do need to like to, when you want to use some implements you've got to take the mower deck off to get something else on and that sort of thing. Um, and also when it's mowing season, uh, which we're just coming out of that for us now, you can have two going at once. 
synchronized mowing and uh, just taught our teenage son to use the ride on. That's a gift that's going to keep on giving. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's good. That is wise. I think it's very wise. Does he love so, it? Um, yeah. And he, look, he loves it. I mean, you know, what kid's not going to love getting on some, you know, powered bit of machinery and ride around. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's been very handy having both of those. Um, do love a whippersnipper. Mm. Um, I feel that I have complained at length to you before about um, my whippersnipper and the head and how difficult it is to rethread. I've recently worked out could have been a bit of user error and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I still think it's a slightly fiddly, but uh, I think I've kind of worked that out now, so it's not so bad, although I've kind of graduated up to the bigger one, the bigger petrol-powered one, and so with the bigger line that doesn't you know, get all tangled every time you hit a rock or anything. So I do love a whippersnipper, and I must admit just yesterday uh, discovered the power hedge trimmer. Oh, yeah. Now, I haven't had occasion to use this before. I haven't needed to, but I'm now growing some large shrubs and I'd like to I have this vision of having a mixture of some of these shrubs in the nice big balls and then I've got interplanted some wavy grasses and that sort of thing. And a couple of these big shrubs have got to the size where I can start shaping them into balls. So I've got a power trimmer yesterday and had a go at that. Oh, my, was that a satisfying experience. <laughs> For God's oh. sake, warn your children not to sneak up behind you and you oh. take hurry. Good point. <laughs> but I, I just found that there wasn't enough to trim. I started looking around like, oh, do I need to deadhead the lavender? Me. Hmm, what else? What else needs a deadheading? I wonder if the neighbours would like that hedged. <laughs> well, actually, I was thinking that I could go along the side, <laughs> the side fence and do that. So, yeah, power trimmer could mm. be the new favourite tool. Mm. Mm. Yeah, very fond of that. What, mm. What's your um? Look, what's your hot porn? What are you? What are you going? A hot porn. Oh, yeah, this should be porn. this should be a standard question we ask anyone who comes on here. Hot porn. Give Tell us your hot porn. Tell me about your hot porn. <laughs> My stash. Yeah. So, uh, well, you know, Instagram's a lovely thing. Mm. So um, now that I'm a flower farming, there's a whole lot of local flower farmers and local gardeners that um, around here that I love looking at what they're doing because um, I do look at and go, oh, hell, that means I haven't got my, you know, my brassicas yes. in yet. They have, yes. that sort of thing. So I do love that. Um, there's one called Wonderground Press, like looking at that. Uh, Bear Mountain Farm for some more of an educational bent there in the US. Um, and, gee, and they have a marvellous YouTube channel, I'll say. Uh, really, really helpful stuff. I've spent a long time on their YouTube channel working out how to do the low um, caterpillar tunnels <laughs> mm. for winter. Very, very helpful. They cover all the things that um, most places they just sort of skip over, like exactly how you ratchet down the ends and how much plastic you need at the end and things like that. Very helpful. And there's a US um, one called Gardenista. They used to do, many years ago, I used to read a blog that they had. I don't know if many people blog anymore. They just do it on Instagram. Now they have a lovely Instagram site. Uh, so I've loved that. Um, oh, I'm going to look that up while you, you keep talking. I'm yes, I will. <laughs> um, and then the gardeners, oh, I love a bit of Monty Don. And I've been very much enjoying the last few weeks, he's the latest uh, journey down the Adriatic looking at gardens. Yeah, I think he That's started, been, been oh, some garden stuff. Oh, the gardens um, in Venice and then this last week he had a, was it the gardens in Greece? Oh, that was beautiful. Love that. 
Yeah, I so, caught the last few minutes of it, but it's I, I like to watch Monty Don on my phone as I go to sleep. <laughs> Monty Don, I'm looking at the gardens, I'm not looking at him. He's <laughs> got a very soothing voice. <laughs> I like it how on all of his uh like his garden shows when he had that one where he went to visit the different people's gardens to give them advice and help them out. And uh, you know, if there was often, you know, this young, enthusiastic couple and you know, of course, their their mothers had turned up dressed in their best gardening frocks to <laughs> oh, Monty. <laughs> oh, Monty was there. Oh, I quite I find that quite good. And uh, so, oh, and I always like um. Oh, I watch Gardening Australia every week. I quite enjoy a bit of that to see who they bring on. I very much enjoy that. Um, and then taking, I like to now that we've got the open gardens back. After COVID, it took a while to get that back, but I'm really enjoying going to see some open gardens. We recently went to Musk Farm, and that was that was really good. I love that. And uh, well, I like taking the kids to the Royal Botanic Gardens in Melbourne, particularly like the children's garden that they have there, that Ian Potter Children's Garden. I haven't been to it. You haven't been. Oh, take James. Um, it's uh, oh, it's lovely. Uh, there's it's really grown up now, and so there's they have their vegetable garden section, but the back there's you know like forest tunnels and things for the kids to run under and even though mine are a little bit older now they still always love it they still get something out of that it's um yeah it's really lovely so I quite enjoy that um and I just like going to any of the open gardens someone who you know has a productive garden I always you know see something I think oh that's interesting the way they do that I haven't done that before and then you know we can those sort of ones like to superciliously go away and say, oh, I've seen that. Or, <laughs> oh, you know, Tom likes to go look at their look at their fruit trees and see if his fruit trees are <laughs> better or not. A little but, bit of a comparison. Mm, but I do like looking at people's compost heaps. I feel that I still don't have the compost heap of my dreams. Mm. So it's I've got a difficult thing in life. Yeah, well, I've got a new, at the moment it's just a heap, but I've got a plan for um, how I want to build the next one. So um, I, I'm big on drawing the plans and then poor Tom has to build them. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like that's going to be a good winter project, building the compost heap. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, I think that sort of covers my favourite gardens. <laughs> and then, um, oh, so at your place, because you've got, you've got some tricky growing conditions what are your what are your reliable go-tos in your garden yeah well probably not the most exciting things but um things that I was actually trimming yesterday so a few corias um coria glabra I really like uh tucrium is doing really well uh, even westringia and on the ground to try to suppress weeds myoporum thyme got a, quite a lot of salvias a few different ones um, and I have found with salvias I've had like a 50-50 success rate of the ones the ones that are cold tolerant and the ones that aren't so I can hook you up with people that know a lot about salvias well I think we need a plant spurt to uh <laughs> advise me on which ones <laughs> um so I, I saw your beautiful um I have trouble pronouncing it two cream mm. um I came across this for the first time Last year, I was um, I was on a little road trip, and we stopped for a break. And there was this beautiful garden next to the road, and I saw this beautiful big silver bush with these beautiful purple flowers on it. And I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe it was a salvia or something. So I sent a 
picture off to Plantsburg and um, like, what's this? But by then I'd already had a conversation with the plant and I forgot <laughs> that I was out in public and I was talking to the plant like, oh, hello, who are you? <laughs> pick a piece of and <laughs> And then I remembered I was out in public and there were people walking <laughs> past me while I'm chatting to plants. <laughs> oh, well, look, there's so many strange people around. You're better off talking to the plants. <laughs> so true. And this is this is one of my philosophies in life. Plants are actually some of the nicest people you will ever meet. Very true. Mm. <laughs> true. Mm. I've um I've had to give some of my plants a bit of pep talk recently. Yes. Um Apologise profusely for forgetting about them underneath some of the weeds. Give them a bit of encouraging. I know you can mm. do it. I know you've got it in you. Mm. So I've seen some encouraging signs. I think it's helping. I do. I had to apologise to um, a couple of my plants that I dried out when we went away. I forgot to water them before <laughs> I came back and I toasted my beautiful lime tree. Oh. And, um, oh, God, I was, <laughs> I was so upset and upset on its behalf as well because, <laughs> I imagine it's not nice to be neglected um, and <laughs> it's bounced back and I've given it some TLC. Yes, but I did have to apologise. Yes. <laughs> Poor lime. Mm. Uh, so, so what's a plant fail? Like what are some plants that you, you're you just like, nah, mm-hmm. not here. I'm sorry. Not well, now. I did try for many years to grow gardenias mm-hmm. in Melbourne. I know that some people do, but I think you really need to be committed. And, you know, you need to be the sort of person who is not going to say, I'll do that tomorrow. Like, <laughs> they, if, they, if they are looking a little yellow, they are looking a little thirsty, looking a little bit sparse, like they need attention stat. Really? Because mm. so I reckon it's sometimes just about your, ex, your, your um, aspect and um, because... You and I have a common acquaintance, my sister, who um, she's like, now I want these different sorts of gardenias and she just chucked them in. Oh, you're <laughs> kidding me. You're not going to tell me she has gardenias. Oh, my God. Well, I, yeah, I just don't know. I've just never been able to do it. And here, there's no way here with the cold. Yeah, no, I'd no. never get them through with the frost. Mm. Um, I love, look, and I actually did grow um, pineapple sage very well for many years in Melbourne. Uh dies every year on me here so now I'm going to keep it in a pot and I'm going to move it into the greenhouse mm-hmm. bring it out because I like using the flowers um not not in vases but in drinks and on cakes and I think they're lovely um but yeah can't keep it can't keep it alive here over winter and the citrus trees mm. yeah we've got three successfully going in our greenhouse now you know what you need I know you're a greenhouse mm. but I'm I did see on TV in your general neighbourhood one of those shows where they renovate a house and they were going to put on an orangery. Oh, and when I first heard it, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what word did you just trip over? They hadn't. That's how you said an orangery. If I didn't even know what that was, I would want an orangery. And, well, I said to my husband when we were watching this episode, do you know what I think I've been missing all my life? <laughs> Do you know what I think I need? <laughs> and, and if you loved me, like you say you love me, you would build me. <laughs> I think we need to find a way to work the word orangery into it's, this. 
It is the, the challenge for the listener this week. Put <laughs> the word orangerie into general conversation. But imagine, like, if, if people were coming over for a cup of tea and some cake, I could say, why don't you step through to the orangerie and I'll be <laughs> through with the teapot and cake in a moment. And then my dear husband would say to me, where are the guests? And I'd say, they're out in the orangerie. <laughs> I think I could even go into work on a Monday morning and be like, I'm sure we can, good. I'm sure we can, good. What were you doing? Oh, I just potted around in my orangery. <laughs> I mean, mm. well, we've now got a project we need to work on. Oh, that's life goals. Orangery. We need to get someone on who's got an orangery who can, we can have a whole episode talking about an orangery. Well, I do have a friend that has, I don't know if it's an orangery. It probably bloody would be if she called it that. I think they just call it like a glass house. Oh, but... no, no, stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> call it an orangerie. Well, you know, I, I'm, gonna, I'm setting myself homework. The difference between a glass house and a orangerie. I'm just writing that down. Glass house, yeah. orangerie. <laughs> um, yep, come back with that next week, please. And thank God you can't see my notes because I'm dyslexic as, as it is, but I don't know how you spell orangerie. <laughs> <laughs> we'll workshop it afterwards. Great <laughs> <Exactly>. work. <laughs> So this coming growing season, Erin, what are you looking forward to growing? So I'm looking forward to getting some success with brassicas because Mm. I've had some, since we've moved out here, I don't think I've timed it right. So um, I think like I've been starting the seed already and I think I really, I don't even know if that's too late. I need to get them to a good size while the soil's still warm uh, because we've tried them every year and they're just little and piddly and so we've uh we're going to try to get them going i want um broccolis and cauliflowers and cabbage and brussels sprouts and yeah so get them going um and i'm also looking forward to getting a whole a lot more of the the cool flowers in over autumn i've had had a bit of success this year um or last year Cool flowers. Cool flowers. So the sort of the annual flowers that cope with uh, the cool weather. So you don't have to wait till it's hot um, to sow them over, you know, the all warmer over spring, summer. So ones that you can um, propagate and get in the ground over autumn, um, but before the first frost comes, and then they can um, tolerate a cold time. In fact, that they enjoy a cool period where they grow their roots down. They don't always look like they're doing a lot up top, but they get their roots in well and can cope with the the cold and a bit of frost. And then they're the first ones you get in spring. So you get an earlier spring crop. So I'll be doing oh, yes, yes, like, you want you want the list? Yes, please. So there'll be definitely sweet peas. Yep. Um, and I think most people know about getting you know, sweet peas and what are your bulbs in, like your ranunculus. My ranunculus corms will be going down. But then things like snapdragons, stock, uh, Canterbury bells. Oh, uh, you know, I only know about them because of you from <laughs> childhood gardening exploits. Um, Canterbury bells, one of the things I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. And um, cineraria and foxgloves. These are all these are all go-tos now that I see coming through my Insta feed that you introduced <laughs> me to in our in our childhood. Oh, I do love foxgloves still. And I haven't, well, you know, even though growing up with mum growing things like canary rolls and foxgloves, I haven't grown them in years. And um, But now I'm coming back to them. So I've got the foxgloves in now. 
and I've also just recently found out that um, everlasting, like straw flowers, are also a cool flower. Like they'll cope with the cold, which I didn't really think that they they would so much. So I'm going to try them this year, um, and also some more status. Mm. So I've got a really nice um, variety, a bit unusual, the long, I think it's, some people call it Russian status or a rat tail status. I'm going to see how that goes um, as a cool okay. flower as well. Rat tail status, just that sounds appealing, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I think I don't, I don't think I'll call it that anymore. <laughs> no, I don't think you should. <laughs> not really, yeah, not really a good marketing employee. <laughs> Hey, I've got some ripper rat tails. Are you making a bunch of those? Oh, I'll buy your lover a bunch of rat tails. You're out in time for Valentine's. Oh, yeah, let's go for the Russian status instead. <laughs> oh, although, actually, oh, no. you know, we should not, not go for Russian either. That's not going to work for you marketing-wise. <laughs> oh, crap, and there goes our Russian listening audience now that we've slagged them off. <laughs> Oh, all right. So I'll come up with a whole new name. That'll be my homework. Thank you. New name for rat tail Russian flowers. <laughs> Good. Yeah. We'll do that. If we're looking at, you know, long and luxurious, oh. how about the Rapunzel? Except that then we're reinforcing ideas about the patriarchy, I think. Oh, for God's sake. Oh, God, it's more complex than I thought. It's a minefield. <laughs> Stick with rat tails. <laughs> yeah. Easier. Oh, God. Yeah. So, yeah, that's. Um, I hopefully have a few more that I can do. Bells of Ireland. Mm. Um, had some success with those. Lupins, more lupins. Mm. So, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to doing. Although now I've reeled all that off, I think, hell, I've got to do all that in the next four weeks. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to do. Yeah. You might need to get a friend over for a, a soil blocking weekend. Yeah, I might. We might need to do a bit of a sow and sip. We'll check, the, check the weather. Um, I know a couple of guys would like to play golf. Like golf. Ah, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Combine that. Mm. The two yeah. go together. Yeah. Oh, I um when you're talking about straw flowers there, um, I forget to check sometimes when you can sew things and I just sew them. And I um um I put in some straw flowers. They didn't germinate, but I think the seed was a bit old. Um, I learned just the other day they you need to have fresh seed of mm. those. Um, but one of the guys I work with, they the seed originally came from from him and his flowers. He saved some. Um, and so I got him to, to sow a whole lot more and they came up like, like weeds. It was wonderful. So I, I've got all these tubes of straw flowers. Oh, what colours are they? Um, they're just coming into bud, but they sort of look pinky mauve. I wonder if that's that silver rose. I didn't have any luck with that, um, this year, but I'm going to try that again. I pine for the silver rose everlasting. Do you? I do. I didn't know this about you. Oh, yes. I've, I've tried to keep it secret, but I can't anymore. <laughs> um, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. So, yeah, I'll try to get some of that going. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's me. So do you reckon I might uh, I might turn the microphone on you now? What do you right. think? We'll find out about your backstory. So where did your garden journey start, Jamie? I think I'm a lot like you with the, the um, family... Uh, of gardeners of both sides of the family and um uh my mum came from a, a big family of gardeners and I used to go and visit her sisters and we used to do nursery tours I'd go and visit them for a couple of weeks and um while they were picking me up from the airport we'd tour around all the the local nurseries um and my mum 
uh, taught me how to uh, grow veggies. And I, I think I must have been in kinder or very early primary school. And um, but I had broccoli and zucchinis. And I still think some of the best broccoli I've ever grown is um, before I knew how. Uh, <laughs> and I've never been able, able to replicate it. Well, you're overthinking it now. Yeah, overthinking it. Got my timing wrong. Um, but uh, and my mum taught me how to pollinate zucchinis. I can still remember this, her teaching me the That's difference. fairly advanced garden teaching for you know, someone who's young. This was my mother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she loved to bamboozle me with facts. Um, God rest her soul. Um, she grew uh, some beautiful lilies, I remember. Yes. Her Lilium's Christmas lilies were beautiful. Yes. Um, so, yeah, she taught me the difference between a male and a female zucchini flower mm-hmm. and how to pollinate them. And, and I use that information to teach my students um, in horticulture. I'm like, come, come teenagers, come youth of Australia, and I will teach you about pumpkins and zucchinis. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, so I think I think it's that family background thing. I think like you've done to your children. Mm. I think you and I were both brainwashed. But and so then you, that was growing up, and then as an adult, what sort of gardens have you had yourself? Um, I moved. I've done the reverse to you. You've moved from a small block to acreage. I've moved from acreage to a small block. <laughs> um, I was renting acreage, but we had so much kokuyu grass that mm. I moved my gardening above ground into um, bathtubs that are collect off hard rubbish, mm-hmm. and so I turned them into great big um, uh, collection of garden beds. But the kokuyu was so oh, tenacious that it would try and get up the plug hole. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that evil plant. I know. It succeeded as well. And if the plug holes were touching the ground, there were some um, eucalypts nearby and they would send roots up through the plug hole and into the bathtub as well. So, oh, God. That, that terrifies me because I've got a whole lot of eucalypts up the back here that I have a plan to grow <laughs> garden beds underneath. <laughs> Um, <laughs> see how that goes. Okay. <laughs> um, so I've gone from this thing of you know having living on ten acres, but gardening in bathtubs to a suburban block. But I'm in the Dandenong Ranges in Melbourne, and um, mm. uh, I don't have as much sun, so I'm hunting out the sunny spots. But I don't get frosts. I've got excellent. Oh, drink. shut up! Shut oh, no, up! Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> no frost. <laughs> Um, but you've got more sun than I do. Yeah, and true. Yeah. And a tractor. Yeah. Does that make you feel better? A little bit. <laughs> it's just that I can get my dailies in two to three months before you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. but uh, I have been I'm, looking at your beautiful dahlias on Instagram. I do that just to mess with you. You know that. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's that? My dahlias are like four to five foot high. Oh, it just seemed to happen. <laughs> Oh, Look sorry. at my shiny picture of my tractor. <laughs> well played. <laughs> um, but because I'm on the side of a hill, I've got good drainage. Mm, that's like, you know, good. We've had a very wet spring right across Victoria oh, and the whole east of Australia and mm. I've been looking at these horrible things online of people's dahlia bulbs just rotting uh, yeah. out of the ground in their hands. That'd be heartbreaking. It'd be awful. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm on my site's challenging in terms of um, 
if I've got mulch, it's at the front of the property and it's all a very steep walk uphill to get it to the backyard. So yeah, it's a good workout. Yeah, there's not a lot of mulching that happened in the backyard. So. Yeah. yeah, that's hard. Um, mm. And that's that's a hard thing with garden planning is to think through that sort of future access. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what are all the things I could, you know, possibly need to do there and bring through? And it's I don't like also just, you know, for my selfish gardening I don't like to give away too much, you know, possible productive garden space for, you know, a gravel access way or something. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, like even now here I think about, you know, there we probably need to, you know, put more uh, access ways in to get into different areas because you think it's going to be fine and then when you've, you know, done like the 10th day of dragging up a wheelbarrow of mulch somewhere. I'm no sorry, fun. did you get to day 10, did you? Because I, I probably quit <laughs> on day one. <laughs> Yeah, you have got a bit of a steep block there, though, so that'd be <laughs> that'd be pretty challenging. I have said to my son before, while I'm while I'm trying to push the wheelbarrow, it feels like straight uphill. I'm like, he, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to get the wheelbarrow uphill. Grab the front of the wheelbarrow and help me. He's like, no. So would that be your least favorite gardening job? No. Um- <laughs> oh, tell me, what's your least favorite? Look, weeding, but. Yeah. Uh, all right, yeah, pushing wheelbarrows straight up. And planning. I, I'm i a big picture person in life, but when it comes to gardening, I don't seem to be able to do the big picture. And so I don't like, I'm, I'm not good at landscape design. And I often find people, you know, when they find out that I know about plants or that uh, I teach horticulture, I think they assume that landscape design is part of that. Mm. And I'm like, no. That's not my department. Um, You're a plant person. Yeah, I just, um, mm. even when I was studying, um, it's it's just I don't seem to be able to get it. It's it's not <laughs> one of my strengths, but I've got other strengths, so I just um, try and bamboozle people with those. Mm. Quite, I enjoy the planning. I enjoy the drawing it out, and I did a mm. little bit of the uh, like a landscape design subjects at uni, but I am. Um, there, I think maybe I get a bit ambitious and then there's a bit of a gap between I don't have your, you know, vast experience of the practicalities of how that, <laughs> of you know, how that works. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I do I do like the planning and the drawing, but then, um, then I need someone like you to come along and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks pretty on paper, doesn't it? And I like what you've done with your HB pencil. Would I say that though? <laughs> Oh, oh my god, you're pissing Yeah. <laughs> no, after a few drinks, but <laughs> but you over there with your HP pencil. <laughs> Let me tell you what happens over here <laughs> at the end of a shovel. <laughs> so um, you know. End of a end of a spade. End of a spade. Oh, sorry. End of a spade. <laughs> All right. So tell me about your favorite gardening jobs. What do oh, you like doing best? Well, I forgot to tell you what I do for a living, Erin. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, tell me that. Oh, Erin. Do you do for a living, Jamie? Thank you for asking. Well, currently I'm, I'm juggling a couple of things. That I teach horticulture to the youth of Australia, not the whole youth of Australia, just to... I don't think it's beyond you. Neither do I, but no <laughs> one's offered to pay me to do that yet. So <laughs> um, so just a, a proportion of the youth of Australia mm-hmm. have the good fortune of studying horticulture with me, um, bless their hearts, <laughs> and then just started doing some contract propagation work um because oh, like you were talking about gosh i love the propagation yeah and let's just be clear that 
your extent of experience and ability with propagation uh, makes me look like an 18-month-old making mud pies. So my propagation is I'm going to put some seeds in my greenhouse and just pray to all the plant gods out there that they work. Oh, I do that. I think your plant propagation is probably a bit more science-based and involves a whole array of propagation techniques. <laughs> oh, but only only because um, part of it is the requirement that I, because I have to teach the youth of Australia um, <laughs> many different techniques. Um, I've got a list of propagation questions for an upcoming episode that, from you that I think, or for you, that uh, I think we need to cover off because I'm not the only person who's going, should I be taking a hardwood or a softwood cut in? Oh, great question. Oh, yes. Yes. So save that. Okay. I'm save talk that. About- That's going to be um, a whole episode. Well, then I'm just going to discuss it in general terms of propagation mm. with you that, oh, gosh, I love grafting. Oh, I love it. Mm. Oh, gosh, it does. What do you love different. about grafting? What is it? When you get a good match of your cambium layer, <laughs> that tell you. <laughs> That was not where I thought this conversation was going to go. Where did you think it was going? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, match of a cambium. Oh, so satisfying. <laughs> yeah. Is yeah. it like when your scissors begin to glide when you're cutting wrapping paper? That yes. kind of sense. It's that feeling. Yes. Yeah. And, and so when you get a really good cut and you oh you cut the the wood on a diagonal <laughs> just so. Oh gosh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and a good cambium layer match. Oh, it's really satisfying. Mm. I think you found your calling in life, Joe. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, and there's these fabulous guys that I follow on Insta that um, I can't remember what they're called, but they travel <laughs> <laughs> around grafting, but it's what they wear that really gets me. All right. I'm just making a note that we're going to find out who the grafting guys <laughs> are on Instagram and we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> They don't post all that often, but when they do, it brings me great joy. It's not so much about their technique. It's what they're wearing. So it's what they're wearing. Yes, and that's not meant to sound sexy. It's not sexy. <laughs> it's that um, often they seem to be posting when they're, they're in, um, say, Mombolk or Surrounds with its um, very famous, beautiful red soil. And so what you get is footage of them. You can't see their faces. So it's just feet and hands because they're walking along and they're bent over very close to the ground um, working and they're wearing white Crocs with socks. What is this thing with white Crocs at the moment? I, I don't know, but who would wear them with socks and who would wear white Crocs in red mountain soil? <laughs> well, they're hoseable off, aren't they? Yes, good point. Good point. Um, I, but there is a thing, and this, this is a bit yeah. of a um, sartorial, you know, side story, mm. but I've noticed um, the youth, you would know this, working with the youth. My youth don't wear Crocs. They're not allowed. It's all about the steel cap boot. Ah, well, I've noticed some other youth around here wearing white Crocs with socks. No. It's a thing. Now, it? it's a thing. It mm. is. I'm looking it up for homework. All right, look that up. What, Ask what, your youth about it. Whatever. Um <laughs> So propagation, you say? Mm. Um, I've just I've just picked up some contract propagation work where I snip plants the whole day through, and that is fantastic. And gee, you get some time to listen to some podcasts then. Ooh, what podcasts are you listening to? Well, non-horticultural on occasion. Like if oh gosh, if Chats Ten Looks Three has a new episode out. Oh yeah, all over that. 
that's going to make my day. Been oh, you put me on to um, how other dads dad. Oh, that's funny. That's good. Very funny because that makes me laugh while I'm propagating. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a bit of a nana. I do love Radio National, so oh, yeah. anything from their catalogue. Um, good interviews on there. Yeah, and then oh, gardening podcast I'm, I'm doing a fair bit of um no-till flowers at the moment yeah, with jenny love mm, that's good i i enjoy them there's a few others but um and i do like what i like about the no-till one i know this goes against what people tell you to do with podcasting is that they're a good length like i oh, as in terms it's a little bit longer yes like, there are a lot of podcast episodes i find that are about you know 30 minutes yeah um which must be you know, people have shorter time to do it and attention spans and what have you. But if I'm out in the garden, I don't want to be taking my gardening gloves off and changing it to the next but podcast true. episode and that sort of thing. I want you to give me a good hour so that yeah. I can just sit there and listen to it while I'm while I'm weeding. Especially if you've got out the dynamic lifter or like yesterday oh. I had the blood and bone. I don't want my stinky blood and bone fingers, sorry, vegans, on mm. my telephone. Yeah, well, my I've got very stinky comfrey tea at the moment. Oh, yeah, you do. And, you know, I I don't want to have to stop and open and close and open and close that wheelie bin full of comfrey tea. <laughs> I just want to do it once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So, okay, yeah, well, they're all ones that I like listening to too. Quite um, good. What about, do you listen to music at all in the garden? No. No, no. Oh, no music. No. no. Mm. It's either podcast mm-hmm. or just I listen to the garden. Oh. I did That's have a good zen of you. <laughs> I'm nothing. Garden. Not zen. <laughs> <laughs> and you probably have some pretty things to listen to up there. You probably have lots of birds. And... Well, there's lyrebirds in the forest nearby. The fox population has grown again, so I'm not hearing the lyrebirds quite as much, which is mm. funny. But um, I can often hear the lyrebirds calling, and um, that's pretty cool. That would be good. Yeah, that's generally interesting in the morning. Yeah, there's a lot of birds around. Yeah. And so I take it you are not wearing Crocs in the garden while you're gardening. Uh, So what are you wearing when you garden? Thank you. Well, I'll just go slip into something more comfortable and I'll tell you about it. No, I won't. I'm often in my steel cap boots just because they're my work and gardening boots. If I could get away with wearing runners, I would, but always green hip pants. (laughs) Green hip wet pants. I know we're not sponsored, but um, I did go totally open to it. Open to it. Um, I did go out to a party <laughs> last weekend um, where I made an effort and I wore a skirt and heels and had hair and makeup done. And but um, more than one person commented on, you know, I've never seen you in anything but work pants. <laughs> I've never seen my legs before. Um, you're always in work pants. My it's my uniform my self-imposed life uniform like it's it's not what will I wear today it's which green hip pants will I put on today the blue or the black <laughs> no, I'm like, do you think, but that is the Barack Obama approach to dressing you know yes he actually did say he has this many decisions that he has to make each yes. day he had to reduce the decision making load because he, that's not something that his brain needs to be spending time doing. So I have, you know, these basically these two suits, um, various you know quantities of those two suits, and I just wear one of those every day. I and eat the same thing for breakfast every day. These are things I don't even think about. My job is very similar to being a superpower. <laughs> um, well, teaching the youth of Australia. Youth of Australia, big responsibility. Um, so any decisions that I can take off my hands 
to support my future self and my future decision making is really important. So the blue or the black, green heaven. <laughs> so what are your favorite, your hot porn? Tell me about hot your porn. Oh, look, oh, hang on. I just want to tell you about because just want to tell you about one of my favorite tools. Oh, <laughs> yes. Sorry. I didn't even ask you about your tools. Tell me oh, your tool. Look, I've got this spade, right? That I tell you. Joy and delight. Bought this spade. It's a it's a sneerball brand, hand forged stainless steel from the Netherlands. Bought it from the Australian dealer. It had been returned to the dealer because the cherry wood handle had snapped. So, but I paid full price for the spade head. It was like $150 just for a spade head. And mm. then I took it to work and had it welded up. So it's got a solid steel shaft and handle. I tell you, that thing weighs almost mm. as much as I do. But if you can lift it and mm. chop with it and dig, good Lord, it's a joy. And where I live, there's a lot of people with big clumps of agapanthus that are like environmental weed because they'll try and get into oh, the yeah. And take over the world, bless their hearts. Oh, geez, it slices through an acapanthus. <laughs> so, do you have to keep butter. it sharpened and oiled? And uh, no, and um, I've never sharpened it, but you can. But it's like a it's like a garden bed or garden razor. You and maybe this is why I wear my steel cap boots because you, you could take off <laughs> take your foot off with it. <laughs> I do let my son play with it in the sand, <laughs> and he licked it. Oh, it's very strong, very strong. Very strong. <laughs> sounds like an amazing tool. This sounds like one that Tom's got to see next time he comes up there. Oh, yeah. Look, I am so because, you know, gardening's gendered, I have the lady spade, spade head. He's <laughs> a lady spade head. Oh, it's smaller than <laughs> the man's spade head. This this is true. I'm not I'm not taking the Mickey here. I know it's hard to tell with me. Um, many years ago, I bought one of these for my father. I bought him the man spade head and had it <laughs> up. And um, dad loves it. And one day when my dad departs this mortal earth, I tell you what, I'm prepared to go in elbows and steel cap boots and all to fight my siblings for that spade. Okay. You're gonna fight you for that spade. <laughs> Well, who can say? <laughs> <laughs> Don't like their chances. No, neither do I. Uh, let's change tech there. I also love my Felco number two secateurs. Ah. To my hip. Yeah. Number two. I started with a number five and then graduated back to the number twos. Oh, well, for propagation, it's number eight all the way. Oh. There mm-hmm. you go. Writing this down. Yes. Number eight Felco. Yeah, propagation. Propagation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, oh, I am a big fan of the gardening gloves. Uh, many years ago, I um, got bitten by a redback spider on the finger while working. Ooh. Don't worry, dear listener, I lived to tell the tale. <laughs> uh, Were you working gloveless? Working gloveless. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, a big fan of gloves. Love the gloves. Yeah. Um, do you do you just churn through the gloves or do you have like a particular pair that you found last longer because I churn through the gloves oh I churn through them and it's the tip of the pointer finger that always goes first is that because you're pointing at yes. people a lot yes. a lot at the youth of Australia I'm pointing at them and telling them what to do and so that wears <laughs> out the tip of the gloves but it's also the hand I lead with when potting if I'm hand potting. Uh, I've just recently bought a new pair of gloves that I am very much in love with so I was finding that most of the gloves I kept getting um 
like scratches and weeds and even got sunburned one day in the little strip between the gloves and my long sleeve garden shirt. Um, and so I came across a long pair of gloves that nearly go up to my elbows mm. and they're in a very, they're in a very sort of fairly heavy sort of fabric, but still flexible for my fingers. They're actually, sorry, vegans too. They are made of goat skin. But the goats uh, weren't using their skin? Well, hopefully not. Um, so hopefully this was a goat that died of old age and um, mm. decided to, you know, donate themselves. To... Anyway, let's not keep <laughs> talking about that. But these are bloody good gloves. Um, so I... Mine are synthetic and vegan friendly. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we're covering all bases there. But, uh, <laughs> so anyway, things I like to look at, gardening lights, you say. <laughs> I'm, I'm very much, uh, very much enjoying these gloves. So best ones I've had so far. Yeah, nice, nice. I yeah. do a thing where um, if it's wet out, um, often I'll put in a pair of like disposable uh, plastic um, or latex gloves mm-hmm. um, to keep my hands dry inside my gardening gloves. Oh, good tip. Yeah. I never thought to do that. Yes, just thought I'd pass that on to you. All right. Mm-hmm. I might do that. Yes, you should give it a go. And say, like, if you're going out weeding early in the morning, and uh, the weed's covered in dew. Uh, I wouldn't take your lovely goat skin gloves for that job, but if you had another pair that you want to take, uh, keeps your hands dry. Mm, I might give that a go. Can, can we talk hawk porn now? Yes. I love uh, hearing about hawk porn. Look, who do I love on? Oh, locally, Sam and the Wild Violet. Ah, uh, I've bought some of her seeds. Mm, mm. I love looking at what she's doing. And, oh, because she, I, I love looking at things on Insta and going, oh, I didn't know you could do that. So this, uh, she's been, she sells seed. And uh, one of the things that she was selling was dahlia seed. And I was like, oh, I didn't know you could grow dahlias from seed. I just never thought about it. And I'm like, but. But hang on then, but what does the seed look like and what do you do with it? And going down a YouTube wormhole to find out all these things. But as inspired by her, I kept my first batch of dahlia seed last year and I may have got carried away. I now have 300 dahlia seedlings. Oh, my God. I didn't. I knew that you had quite a few. I didn't know it was that many. No, I wasn't telling anyone. Oh. <laughs> But this is like, you know, look at they make shows about hoarders. Maybe they yes. could do horticultural hoarders. Uh, that's me. But the thing is, most of them I'll give to my school to sell off. Ah, good. Ah, oh, so it's very community minded of you. Community minded. So I'll probably pick out um, maybe twenty um, of what I consider the best to keep. And if my mate Erin sees any that I post on Insta. She mm-hmm. oh, I like that one. So what if you grow it from seed? Yes. Then so if you've sown it from seed, yes, what sort of in spring last year, so yes. And so now, so will they be big and flowering in this their first summer? So what I learned via the interweb was that um, so yes, I sowed late winter, early spring, and that they should flower within a hundred to 120 days from um germination. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I might just be able to squeeze that in this year in the growing season. But um, I've been growing them in a, a plastic-covered house, a hoop house, and because it's warmer in there, they've been, they started flowering, I think, even before Christmas, around Christmas time. So well, a couple of months ago, they're not all flowering yet. But And will they develop tubers in this first season then, yeah. like a normal tailor? Um, so... 
some of them really interesting. Like I've put them into little 75 mil inch pots from the plug trays that I sewed them in. And from that small um, pot into the next size up, they already had tubers that were probably about um, five to 10 centimetres long. They're bloody willing, aren't they? Oh, they are amazing. And probably the the ones that I select to keep, I could repot again now. But some of them are are four foot tall and they're only in a small pot, like a a hundred and hundred and um oh fourteen centimeter pot. And they would be much happier if I planted them out or gave them a bigger pot. They are very vigorous. And I'm, I'm very excited in terms of like the genetics. Like I know the parent plant that they came off that I picked the seeds off, but I don't know what they were, what the other parent is or what the genetics are. So I've got this amazing range of full doubles through to singles and everything in between and this amazing colour range. Gosh. Um, yeah, it's really floats my boat. So that's Sam and the Wild Violet Garden. Any yes. other hawk porn? Uh, you gather um, flower, flower farm, farm. Mm-hmm. because again they they um like they're doing cut flowers, but they're uh, they go oh this week we're sowing this, and from them I learnt about keeping and sowing ranunculus seed, which I'd never done until last year. Oh, who else do I love? Oh, Nigel Dunnett in the UK. Oh, yeah, oh. a bit of Nige. Yeah, yeah, bit of Nige. Oh, I I love Lamley Garden and Nursery. They're on they the map. They're on the market. <gasps> mm. I can't think of it. Oh, and, and look, everybody's favourite, Florette in the US. Oh, yes. I didn't mention um, another Erin, the, the US Erin. Yes, the US Erin. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's just it's a beautiful feed, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's really beautiful. Yeah. And um, what are your, some of your favourite gardens that you've seen or visited? I think my favourite. Um, hands down, and like I've got a lot of really good local gardens that are run by Parks Victoria. So there's in my neighbourhood, there's you know Alfred Nicholas Gardens, which are mm. sensational. But uh, hands down, winner uh, Cloud Hill Garden and Nursery in Alinda. Um, you wouldn't be a bit biased, would you, Jamie? I might be a little bit biased. I I saw them developing that garden when I was in high school. I, I knew a guy that worked there, and. Um, and when they were sort of bulldozing out to create terraces. Yeah, I, was, really, I didn't realise it was, yeah, that well, I suppose it was, was a little while ago that we were high school. <laughs> that long ago. And then one of my first jobs when I was studying horticulture at TAFE, I did work experience there, um, working one or two days a week. And then when I got married, my husband and I got married um, in the gardens there. And I just think it's such a spectacular place, um, you know, and the the trees are, are remnants of other gardens and nurseries there and it's got some of my favourite types of trees. But it's, Ooh, what's your favourite? Oh, look, massive sentimental favourite is the Nothophagus and they have, they've got quite a few different species of, of that. Love a fagus as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and they've they've got a really lovely collection of tree peonies and but just so mm-hmm. many fabulous plants and put together really well. Love it. Love it. Uh, love it. it is beautiful garden. Very yeah. special. So you love a fagus. What are the what are your reliable go-to plants that you think you're always going to have in your garden? Look, one of the problems is that I'm heavily influenced by my horticultural friends. And but at the moment, something that's surprising me, hydrangeas. I'm really, really digging. And why is it surprising you? 
oh, I didn't know I'd want so many of them. <laughs> I thought, hey, you have, have one or two hydrangeas, but um, I've got two different species of climbing hydrangeas. Oh, I don't have a climbing one. Oh, well, my friend. <laughs> you need. <laughs> um, and and just, they also propagate very willingly too, don't they? Do uh, I've got some fabulous, a really good variegated variety, and then there were there were some in the garden that um, were here when we moved in, and it's taken me a couple of years to with pruning them and feeding them to get them really going. And this year they are just really beautiful, and um, mm-hmm. I find myself talking to them when I come and go from from my house and telling them how good they look at the moment. And it's well, not how it looks, but. It's probably a plant that appreciates the shade that you have. Yeah. So it's sort of a bit of a marriage made <laughs> in horticulture. I think so, yes. And, oh, gosh, I was almost late for podcasting this evening because I forgot the time because I was talking and we know No. That- I know. But as I was, I was hurrying out the door and trying to put on my shoes of the venue that I was at, sort of friend's house, I know they've shown me photos before, but I have never seen in real life their magnificent Hydrangea quercifolia with double flowers. Double flowers. Oh, mm. and massive. What do you call a hydrangea collection of flowers? Raceme? No. Uh, inflorescence. Inflorescence. We'll have to find that. Homework. 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 <laughs> Homework. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The size of the flower heads on this double hydrangea mm. quercifolia. Hello. I think I need a cutting of that. Yeah, so I was going to ask them. Gosh, I hope they don't find out via this podcast that I covered their hydrangea (laughs) (laughs) after cuttings, but talk to them before this goes to air. (laughs) (laughs) And what were the like the plant fails that you freaking you're not going to try again? Look, gosh, there are many. How to single? I think between us, look, here's the thing: if you're going to grow a lot of plants, you're going to kill a lot of plants. Oh yes, and this is this is the thing. People go, oh, you know, oh, I've killed some plants. (laughs) That's nothing. You should see how you're like. You've killed plants. Hold my beer. (laughs) Um. Oh, but look, some of it. I'm going to say, not my fault. I think I've moved to Slug City, (laughs) and I maybe the big wet that we've had over the last six months has. There's a greater preponderance of slugs. A preponderance of slugs. Well, gosh, I'd never thought to phrase it like that, but yes. Oh, maybe I need to do some research to see if there's a collective noun for slugs. Oh, God, I'd love that. What would that be? A slime of slugs? A slime. Obviously, yes. <laughs> Homework. 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 Write that down. Collective, collective noun. All right. All right. Collective noun of slugs. That will go on our Instagram page. Thank you. Collective noun. All right. I I don't know how much money I spent on different varieties of poppy seed last year, but I can get them up. But um, I lost about five different varieties to slugs and the last few plants that made it through. There was one variety that maybe wasn't as appetising as the others (laughs) made it through. I think I had three or four plants of it and then they got whip-snipped. They were just not meant to be. I was was, was fairly heartbroken. The universe telling you that poppies are not for you. I'm I'm actually having trouble with proteaceae at the moment. I had some ripping, blushing bride plants and Mm. I pruned them after they finished flowering and they dropped dead on me. And I had this fabulous white protea, um, pure white, but with little pink tips on it. Oh, pretty. So good. That died on me. 
And I was like, oh, I'm really upset because I've, I've only ever seen it for sale once. Again, do you think maybe because everything's been so wet? Let's blame that. Yeah, they wouldn't like yeah. it. I have heard of a lot of people this last season yeah. having um, various proteas rot. I would, so. I would say that a lot of my plant fails are just about growing them. I've got a chicken who has scratched a lot of stuff out of the ground. Uh, and I had a rogue chicken who would go across the house roof to get into the front yard and scratched <laughs> out all my zucchini plants. Oh, bugger. Yeah, so between the slugs and the chickens and the whippersnippers, sometimes I have trouble growing some plants. Yeah, some of my roses got a uh, an early prune with the whippersnipper. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. So what are you looking forward to this season? Oh, look, I'm loving my dahlias are all just starting to flower mm. and I reckon I'm a few years behind the trend and that, that sums up my horticultural uh, <laughs> oh. Not seen, but it takes me a while to get on board. I've got a friend who she's she's always like, oh, these are really good. And about two or three years after she's given me a particular plant, I'm like, hey, you know the plant you gave me? Gee, I love it. Jeez, it's a winner. And she's like, yeah, I know. I told you that three years ago. No, she doesn't, but I can see the look in her eyes. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I've just got for the first time, about two to three years too late for the trend, a Cafe Olay Dahlia, my oh. first one ever. But I've got this other one that um, same friend who gives me all the the plants. She gave me this ripper big ivory dahlia. I don't know what it's called, but it's just oh, good lord, so good. I just I'm loving all the flowers. I'm loving picking them. I'm loving arranging them, and then I'm gonna love saving their seeds. Mm, and I'm gonna yeah. love dividing them. Yeah, I'm hoping to save seed. I'll have to um I'm trying to at the moment I want to build up some of our perennials. I've got some mm. lovely, unusual perennials from antique perennials. Oh, I went out there two weekends ago. Oh, stop. That needs to be an uh I feel like a, an interview or an on-site excursion mm. for this mm. bit of fact finding. Do they have some lovely stuff? I want to try to propagate some of the stuff that it's, I've got growing successfully mm. here for my my own garden. But uh yeah, I don't actually know where to start on some of that. So I'll help you out. Good. Yeah. That's what we need. Yeah. So should we um should we talk to our listeners while we wrap this up and this introductory episode about you know what do we think we're going to be doing on this podcast why they should keep listening what sort of what sort of things can they expect from us do you think look there'll always be talk of poo and toilets but That's i can given. i can relate that back to horticulture so there'll be horticultural poo and toilets i'm looking for erin let me tell you what i'm looking for in a podcast <laughs> i want you to entertain me erin oh, I I while i'm gardening oh i'm with you and you and i happen to be two of the funniest gardeners i've ever met <laughs> <laughs> this is true who wouldn't want to listen to us <laughs> Yeah, uh, look, I think that, you know, on that vein, like this is not going to be all scientific, um, wall-to-wall, you know, garden information that you'll need to sit down with a notebook and listen to. We will give you some very useful gardening information along the way and the things that we've found out. Um, I like to think that this will be a podcast that people would want to listen to in the garden or having their cup of tea or maybe a bath after being in the garden. And it's like sitting down and having a chat with with your gardening friends and plant loving friends. And sometimes we'll uh, we won't stick to the <laughs> the main theme of it, as you may have <laughs> may have already noticed that you know we don't mind a bit of a segue into something totally unrelated. 
<laughs> but, you know, I think that it'll be yeah, a bit of an entertaining chat with a garden theme. Oh, I think that sums it up beautifully. So this was our introductory episode. And then we will have the next couple of episodes. We've got a bit of a chat about what's coming up this season because it's a really, really busy time at the moment when we're talking about this in summer, getting to the end of summer here in uh, in Australia. So uh, we've got a lot on. So there'll be a lot of what we're doing we'll share with you and we'll uh, kind of thrash out what we're doing and all of our questions. Uh, we'll talk about a few excursions that we've had to other gardens and horticultural places. And then we'll have a few other special gardening people popping on for a bit of a bit of a QA and a as well um, on a few episodes. Because we, we know some gardening people, don't we? Well, you know lots of gardening people, I think. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so we will, um, I'm in the dark now. I haven't actually even turned on any lights. So I think this is uh, might be time to sign oh, off. Lovely. Well, Erin, thanks for the chat. Thank you. We'll uh, chat again next week. Sounds great. All right. Bye. Just a note on our very catchy garden hose tunes, we have our original music composed and produced by Martini Toothpick. Martini Toothpick are Dan Zielinski and Micah Coleman. We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we reside and recognise their continuing connection to lands, waters and communities and recognise that their wisdom and knowledge has been passed on for thousands of years.